Welcome to Diversity Dialogues, a program of the Amici podcast series sponsored by the Office of Diversity and Inclusion. I'm John Carr, Senior Advisor for Strategic and Technical Communications and your host of Amici. In honor of Asian and Pacific Islander Month, we're proud to feature Lieutenant Henry C. Chen, a court officer in the New York City Civil Court. We'll be chatting with Lieutenant Chen about his background, Asian Americans in the court system, and a new fraternal organization that he helped found, the New York State's Courts Asian Jade Society. Lieutenant, uh, thank you for coming on the program. Uh, Now, you're the product of a Chinese father and a Puerto Rican mother. How how do they happen to meet? Those those are countries that are not very close to each other. Uh, Yeah, that's for sure. My, uh, well, basically, my father came here in, uh, I believe, in the 50s. He came here, and uh, I think he came through Baltimore, and then he, he took the trains down to New York. And uh, I, my mother came here in the 40s. She was as a child. And then, basically, they, they met through a family friend. They were both in New York. They met through a family friend who... Uh, she was also a Puerto Rican woman that had married another Asian man. So she introduced my mother to my father because she was my mother's friend and my father was the, uh, her husband's friend. So they met that way. And oddly enough, my, my mother, she had two other sisters and they also married a Chinese gentleman. Wow. That, so that, all my cousins are the same way. They're Chinese and Puerto Rican the same way. Wow, that's that's remarkable. Now, why did and your they parents... married in 1958, a long time ago. Uh, it was, it was. Uh, now, uh, why did your parents want to uh, leave their homeland and come to the United States in the first place? I think my father had told me that his uh, he had an older brother that passed away. I think he had hepatitis or something like that. And his family was... Uh, I, they were born in... what? He was born in Ning, Ningpo, Shanghai, China. He said, you know... They didn't have a lot of money, so when his his brother, older brother, passed away, his older brother was was bringing in was you know uh, he was supporting the family. When he passed away, you know he says they had nothing, so he said he needed to go to work, and they told him, listen, go to go to America. He says you can work there, and you send money back to China, and that's what he did. He, he jumped on a boat. He worked on the boat for I think a, a year or so, and then the boat finally you know uh, he finally decided to get off in Baltimore. And what about your mother? Oh, my mother, she came over with her family. Uh, my my great-grandfather, excuse me, no, my grandfather brought them, brought the whole family over. And I think she, uh, I think she just worked in factories when she was, as she was growing up. So she didn't, uh, they, they were both, my mother and my father, they, you know, their families didn't have a lot. So they were always working. Sure. And that was the idea. They just wanted, they were just working to support your greater family. Sounds like a very, very American melting pot story. Yeah, it's like, I guess, the sort of typical uh, immigrant uh, story of them coming over. They want to work and uh, make money and send home, send back home to their families in their original countries. Yes, indeed. Now, uh, what did your parents do? My father, he he had learned to cook on the, on the ships that he came over on. So when he came over, he started out as a waiter. He just he started waiting for years. He worked in different restaurants, and 
did it go? Yeah, well, he he uh, ended up buying or, or buying a restaurant of his own. He started, you know, he, he got his own business. He had issues with his partners after a few years. He ended up leaving it because he, he couldn't. Agree, they couldn't agree on things, so he ended up driving a cab. Oh. In I think it was 1977, he ended up driving a yellow cab. And the original company, Utah, which is still in business nowadays, they went over to like the uh, car service. They became car service, like with silver and black cars. And he stayed with that company uh, pretty much till he passed away. He was with that company for, from 1977 to, 19, to 2014 when he passed away. Wow. wow. And they, they told me when he passed away, all, all the bosses came and said, like, your father was the, our longest employee. He was a great, great person. So he did that. My mother worked, uh, she worked uh, as just like a seamstress in some kind of factory. I I, I don't even know where, but I know she says she worked as doing seamstress work. And even nowadays, she's, she has her own, uh, you know, like industrial type sewing machine in the house. And she'll always like, oh, I'll I'll do these curtains for you. You need me to, I can make a dress for you, for your daughter, if you need this or that. That's what she did there pretty much. And she became a school lunch lady. In the eighties, uh, she was a school lunch lady in the Bronx. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good for her. Good for her. Now the uh, the Chinese and the Puerto Rican cultures are quite a bit different. Uh, so how mm-hmm. did you how did your family how did you uh, balance the various views and traditions and holidays and that sort of thing, or, or did you? You know, we uh, my father was always working. That was uh, his thing. He worked six days a week. So he wasn't in the house all the time, only on Saturdays he would devote his time to us. So we grew up, uh, he kind of let my mother handle everything. Mm-hmm. And so my mother, we I went to a Catholic grammar school downtown. I went to a Catholic high school. We were pretty much raised just kind of just as Catholics and in a predominantly Spanish neighborhood. We grew up on the low east side of Manhattan, uh, Alphabet City now. So... That's, we didn't see and we didn't learn too much. Me, I have an older brother and older sister. And we really didn't learn too much of the Chinese culture when we were young. Which, I, you know, as I grew up, I regretted that. Uh, but, you know, dad would take us to Chinatown on the Chinese New Year's and celebrate and stuff. But, and him being the only one that came over from China in his family, that made it difficult too because we didn't have any other... Uh, Chinese relatives to, you know, to, to bond with, to uh, gain some Chinese culture with. My other cousins who, you know, they had, where they were also Chinese and Puerto Rican, they were being raised almost the same way as we were, mm-hmm. you know, almost like with a Catholic and, and Spanish upbringing, sort of. Mm-hmm. I understand. And I, and, I, and I spoke to my parents afterward, you know, years later, it's like, how come, you know, you didn't teach us the Chinese, you know, because I, I knew a kid in grammar school who was Chinese. He was the only Chinese kid in my grammar school. He says, oh, when I leave here, I got, I got to go to a Chinatown school. So I asked my parents about that one time, and they said, well, he says, I, my father said specifically, he says, yeah, there's another school in Chinatown. He says, but I can't afford it. I, I can pay to send you to, to the Catholic school. I can't, we, he couldn't afford to send us to the Chinese school, too. So that's why we didn't get much Chinese uh, culture when, as, growing up as kids. Mm-hmm. Now, who were your early uh, role models uh especially cultural role models or were they in your professional culture or whatever? Who are your role models? You know, uh, uh, if you, talking about role models, 
I guess you'd have to say there's sort of two. One is, to me, was traditional. It was, it was my father because he worked, you know, uh, and when I, and I, and all these things you don't realize when you're a kid, but you realize as you get older, when you get a family, I realized my father worked six days a week, but on Saturdays he, he took off. And normally when you think, you know, now I need a day of rest, Saturdays was for us. He took, he was the one day he was off. He would take me and my brother and my sister. He took us to the movies every Saturday. He would, we would go to Chinatown. There's a movie theater underneath the Manhattan Bridge. We'd see Kung Fu movies there. If not there, we go, he'd actually take the 42nd Street and see they had Kung Fu movies in those little theaters on 42nd Street too. It was, and then at, and he would take us to see those early. At the end of the day, he'd come home and he'd cook a, almost a, like a whole traditional Chinese meal for all of us with like four or five different dishes. And that, that's what I remember. And, and one of the things he told me about when I started a, a family, when I had my first child, he said, listen, he says, I worked a lot. I wasn't always there for you. He says, but what I did is what you need to do. He says, always work hard to feed your family and provide for them. And that's what I remember. And I think about it nowadays. And I said, you know what? You know, that was the role model that that I always looked for. And, you know, and I, I, try, I try to be like that. Always provide for my family. Sure. In, in, term, in terms of. I don't know, like a mainstream type of a cultural role model. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, growing up, uh, before I, you know, before I really knew who he was, he was already passed away. But Bruce Lee, <laughs> you know, you grow up as a kid, you know, like, oh, Bruce Lee's this great guy, you know what I mean? He's a, he's a most famous Chinese person that I know. And that was my thing. It's like, but he's Chinese, Dad. He's Chinese and he's famous, you know? He's a, he, so, and he was what, in my eyes as a kid, he was a, greatest karate expert in the world and he was Chinese and I said and I'm Chinese too so that, that was something as a kid that he grew up as my my uh, my cultural idol <laughs> that's great now how how and uh, why did you end up uh, in law enforcement and and why in the subspecialty I guess of law enforcement is a, is a New York court officer school I went to was a military high school or it had ROTC in it, Xavier High School. And, uh, you know, I was in the ROTC unit and you, you kind of get that sense of being in, in a, like a paramilitary organization where the, the discipline to them is, is, is everything. And I, I like that. And I was ready to join the service at a high school, but, you know, I wanted to fly. And they said, oh, no, if you wear glasses, I wore glasses. So they told me, if you wear glasses, you're not going to be able to fly in the military. I said, all right, so I took a step back. And I said, and then my brother ended up joining the uh, NYPD. So I said, okay, I can do that. After a few years, my brother said, no, you don't want to do the NYPD. He says, you're not going to like it. He says, and I'm going to tell mom not to let you do it. I said, ah, all right. But but then, like, very shortly after, a family friend mentioned, oh, there's a court officer test coming out. My brother says, he sees the court officers. You know, he goes to court all the time because he's NYPD. He says, that's a good job. And and I looked at it, I, I and, and I asked him more about it, and, and I actually went and looked at the courts a couple of times before before I even got called in. And I said, I like this. It's, it's a stable job, and, and it's law enforcement, and, you know, you're protecting the judge, you know. And at that time, in my eyes, like, the judge is like, this is a super important guy, and you're protecting him all the time. So I ended up taking that test, and what I... Got hired in '97, so I've been on for 24 years. I've been around here for a while. Wow! 
Wow. Now, um, let's talk about the New York Court's uh, uh, Asian Jade Society, if we could. First of all, why Jade? Uh, you know, a um, couple of people have asked me that. They said, what, what is the significance of Jade? I said, well, as I know, uh, my dad had lots of Jade jewelry he would always give to my mother. In the Asian culture, Jade is a... Uh, it, it's a very precious thing. It, it means uh, it means prosperity. It means wisdom. It means strength. And in all different cultures of the Asian, the Asian society, whether it's um, Vietnamese, Japanese, um, Chinese, Korean, it, it, it means good luck to all those different Asian cultures. It all it means good luck mainly. And there's an actual saying that says. Um, that's common also in the Asian culture says gold is valuable, but jade is priceless. And when I grew up, you know, and seeing my brother and he was in the NYPD and I said, well, where are you heading out today? He says, oh, there's an Asian Jade Society event. I was like, well, what is that? He says, oh, that's, you know, that's a society specifically for, you know, Chinese and Asian people. I was like, well, what do they do? He says, basically, it's, it's a bunch of Asian guys that stick together. And they help each other out. So I said, well, I like that. I said, I, I definitely would like to, uh, you know, join that, something like that one day. I said, I, I remember asking him, can I join? He says, no, it's only for officers. And that was before I, I came on the job for the courts. Uh-huh. So, you know, and then it turns out um, when we start, we wanted to start this one. Uh, I started the job in 97. And in 2000, I can got invited by the corrections. I was in Bronx Criminal Court. I was invited by the corrections department to march with them because they had an HJ society also. I said, oh, that's great. I said, we don't have one. I said, uh, they asked us, well, you can join us in our parade in Chinatown on Chinese New Year, the Lunar New Year. That was in 2000. And I said, uh, oh, that's great. So I ended up joining, oh, I ended up marching with them, but they only had like about six people. Marching, and I brought four people from the Bronx with me, so we had ten people total just marching in the Chinese parade. It's like that's really not a lot of people. So I went back. Then after that, I the next week I spoke to I called the academy because there was a captain, Sammy Lam, in the academy. He's a Chinese uh, captain. I said, Captain Lam, I was like, Do we have an Asian Jade Society? If not, you know, why don't we? He's, and he actually told me, he says, listen, I work in the academy. He says, I see who comes through, all the officers that come through the courts. He says, there's not enough Asian people to put in one room, he says, in the courts. I said, that's why, he says, we don't have an Asian Jade Society. So I said, oh, all right, I guess so. And as he said, he says, uh, there's no strength in numbers there if you have no numbers. Mm-hmm. So I took it, you know, I just kind of, uh, I stepped away from it. I said, I, I guess he's right. I said, well, I'll just table that for another time. That was in 2000. In 2019, Captain Lamb was ready to retire. He was retiring major. He called me up in 2019 and says, he says, Chen, he says, do you remember when you, you came to me and asked about the Asian J Society? He says, at that time, it wasn't right. He says, now the time is right. And I remember asking, I says, Major Lamb, he's like, that was 20 years ago. You remember that? He says, yeah, of course I remember that. I'm like, wow. So, yeah, he, he called me, well, it could be like 19 years ago, he called me back, and he says, yeah, now's the time. He says, 
he's seen a, a bigger influx of Asian people coming into the system. He says, now's the time to start the society. Oh, that's great. So I was, so I was ready to start in 2019, but then uh, 2020 came around and COVID came around, so it put a hold on everything. So now, now, as Asians, the uh, the violence is picking up. I said, now maybe is the time we should get something going. What do you What do you hope that the organization organization achieves? Well, I know we want. We want basically to be an organization that's going to su- to support all the other Asians in in the court system. Right now, it's it's for all court employees are uh, you know it's open to all the court employees to join. But we want to be a voice for the Asian people. We want to be because I mean right now, it, even though there are more than there were in 2000 when I first spoke to Captain Lamb about it. Now it's still not a lot of not a lot of Asians in the court system, and we want to be there to help each other succeed. We want to we want to help people move up the ranks. We want to encourage uh, continued education for the Asian uh, community in the court system. We want to help with job advancement. So we want to see if we can offer training eventually for uh, our members so that they can continue bettering themselves and moving up in the system. Not just you know stagnating. We want everybody to be the best selves, and at the same time, we want to highlight people who have uh, achieved uh, higher status. On your uh, Facebook page, you say the organization seeks to quote be the voice within the court system for those who have no say. What do you mean by that? Well, that's that's what I was mentioning about what we want to do as an organization. Uh, you know, I want to. I actually, there's been, it's, it basically comes down to any type of discrimination. We want to make sure that none, there are no Asian people that are being discriminated in the court system and then feel like uh, they're afraid to come forward. So, all right, if you don't want to go to administration with your concerns, come to us and we will be an intermediary for you. We will help you. We will back you up so that you're not by yourself and you don't feel that you're by yourself. We want to make sure we uh, support our, the Asian community system so that they don't feel like they can't do something by themselves. We want to, okay, we want to, we want to be there, uh, you know, it's like a big brother. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that gets back to the way you defined Jade a few minutes ago is uh, promoting prosperity, wisdom, and strength, right? Right, and, and that's how we see it, it like, you don't have to be by yourself. There's strength in numbers. Let us stand with you. Let's, let's talk about those numbers. According to the uh, uh, Census Bureau, roughly 9% of the people in New York State and about 14% in New York City identify as Asian and less than 1% identify as Pacific Islander or Hawaiian. Are those numbers reflective in the court system or is there work to be done there? No, I, I think the numbers in the court system are uh, much lower. I had spoken with Judge Lillian Wan. She's the president of the Asian American uh, Judges Association recently, and she was she gave me some numbers about how there's only 2.3% of Asians in the court system in terms of security titles. Mm-hmm. And in terms of uh, attorney titles, there's, uh, there's only 4%. 
And 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 she specifically, I remember them mentioning that uh, there are 1,300, I think, judges in the state, and only 39 of them are Asian. So I think those numbers are very low, and, and it, that's that's one of the things also that we want to do as an, as an organization. We want to promote recruitment. We don't want to just we, we don't want to just be uh, working in the courts. We want to step out a little bit into the community and say, hey, you know, there are jobs here, you know, for the Asian community. Bring bring more in to the court system to have a better reflection of the, the, the statistics of the city. You you alluded a few minutes ago uh, in passing to uh, uh, some violence. I want to I want to uh, uh, probe that a little bit. Uh, you know, during the pandemic, there was uh, concern about an apparent uptick in Asian hate crimes, as some politicians were blaming China for the coronavirus outbreak. Yeah. Were right. you were you were you concerned for your own safety or that of your family or community? Was that uptick in violence uh, in any way a motivation for starting the the Jade Society? Yes, yes, absolutely. We, you know, that's that's one of the things we had actually um, tried to speak to one of the community uh, organizations recently to see if we can help out, and. 
they actually told us, oh, you know what, we, uh, we're actually going to have a community event, and they already hired uh, uh, like a, a private um, martial arts studio to come and give self-defense classes to the local community members. I said, well, that's great. That's exactly what I was thinking of because some of our members are uh, academy instructors and they can teach things like that. So that was one of the things. Yes, you know, some of the violence, we want to be there for people. And, uh, you know, I wish we could have offered the uh, self-defense classes as well. But uh, that was definitely one of our motivations. You know, there's a lot of violence going on. Uh, we want to, I want to step up and show, hey, we have a, a great influx of Asian uh, officers in, in the society, uh, and we're all together. You know, we, we're we're one group, and we're stronger as a voice, stronger as a people. And you know, hopefully, maybe the community would see that. We want to get more involved with the community too, for them to see that, so they would they wouldn't be afraid to say, "Hey, we can address this violence somehow together." That's a great and, and, and uh, noble goal. And uh, Lieutenant, I want to wish you prosperity, wisdom, and strength, the characteristics of Jade this, uh, this month and, and every month. And thank you so much for, your, for coming on the program. Thank you, John.